Hi everyone, we're Lena Mercedes and we're the Onion Peelers. And we are the co-owners of The Breathing Space, a growing community of Ashtanga Vinyasa practitioners in the Barshes in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Uh, to check out our schedule and our offerings, as well as some pretty great workshops that are coming up, uh, you can check us out online at www dot the breathing space dot nl all right all righty all righty it's been a long time hi guys hi everyone out there thank you for tuning in we've missed you yeah it's been too long it's been too long we're sorry yes it's we have no excuse yeah well (laughs) yeah we've been so busy we don't know Um, well, anyway, it's never too late. Um, yeah, how have you been? You know, I've been all right. Yeah. I mean, I would really like to be back in the studio. Yeah, me too. I would like. I miss that I'm getting sick of being online. Mm. There's a cat purring right next to the microphone. Perfect. Perfect. Um... So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I'm at. A bit done with this whole. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. It's 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 been one year. Yeah, it has been we, one year. It has been one year, and <clears throat> yeah, I think the breathing space is missing everybody also, like the actual physical space. Yeah, our plants. We need to recharge the walls and the plants. Exactly. So yes, pips. Stay tuned. Hopefully, God knows when we're going to be able to open soon. But anyway, in the meantime, we're still doing our offerings online. And we're very grateful for everyone that is joining us there yeah. and that still shows up. It's been great to have you guys yeah, be consistent and show up for, for yourself and for each other. Yeah. And also to know that this platform is there and that we can use it to offer other things. Yeah. Uh, like upcoming workshops and a series of workshops oh yeah we have some really cool things lined up we're gonna tell you all about it very soon yeah all right mercedes what did you want to talk about today tell me okay today this is one of the good things about the pandemic i've been having lots of time to like geek out on (laughs) all kinds of things and um yes I thought it would be fun to chat about our ability as humans to change. Yeah. Or, or not to change. Or not to change. I was going to say. Exactly. Also, yeah. And I find that this topic is going to be even more fun to chat with you since you're a neuroscientist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the um, ability of our brain to change. Yes. Well, but we are, we're kind of like walking brains, right? If you ask me, mm, yes. Okay, maybe that's a nice point to start. <clears throat> because, of course, me as a totally non-neuroscientist, um, I always thought, like, you know, the brain is like these huge walnuts inside your head. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like these separate compartments. But if you really just take a second to think about it, your brain is your body and your body is your brain and everything is connected to each other. Exactly. 
It's pretty right? amazing. I mean, that's it. Basically, the body is an extension of the brain. Yes. Well, that's, that's the way I see it now. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. There are many people that would disagree with the statement. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. <laughs> I mean, like I said, but this is this is the kind of silly things I think inside my own head. Yeah. This is not <laughs> coming from any school of thought or anything. Yeah, I think it is a very interesting idea. This. Uh, the fact that our body is under the control of, I'll say, our nervous system. But there are so many systems that work together. I personally find the nervous system to be on the top of the food chain, let's say. Mm. Because, yeah, without your brain, without your nervous system, you wouldn't be anything. You wouldn't function no, exactly. Because okay, let's say let's say that you have a body, mm-hmm. but your brain isn't working. Yeah, there's not much that you can do with your body. Well, if your brain is completely not working, then you're dead. <laughs> That's exactly my point. Yeah. No, then you can't do anything with your body. I mean, there are your body will then decompose, and yeah, the bacteria that live inside you will take over and eat your body. And then it all compost. starts again in some other, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in some other shape, yeah. No, but in, in all seriousness, it's, it's quite fascinating that, uh, I don't know, at least we tend to think about like the brain, the body, the mind, but everything is really so, yeah. Integrated. Yeah, exactly, like so integrated. And sometimes it's really not integrated. And that's also when we suffer or when you know there's bigger issues yeah if you listen carefully you can hear a cat drinking water (laughs) yeah that's not a fountain that's be cool (laughs) he's a very thirsty cat um yes well your nervous system is far reaching especially if you consider that the nervous system is controlling part of the hormone system in the body and the hormone system touches also everything because it's transported by your blood Uh, so these two systems work really closely together to yeah Mm, let's say control process like physiological processes processes as well as your ability to move and the conscious movements that you make as well as the unconscious movements that you make. Yeah, I was going to say, that's quite fascinating also that the nervous system does both, right? It does all these, um, I know, biological processes that we don't have to think about it. Yeah. Uh, But also it plays a big part on all the intentional things we do and and things we practice and things that we want to get better at. So... Yeah, I mean, the nervous system is the thing that allows for that to happen. It, it is not only what allows it to happen, it is what makes it happen. Yeah, it's kind of like the orchestra director yeah. courting it for all the musicians to play, yeah, to play together. Yeah. Okay, no, so... But then also on top of that, you have your thoughts and 
the thinking mind, the analytical mind, that stuff going on inside of your head. I mean, those are things that are happening in the nervous system as well. Emotions. Emotions, yeah. I mean, everything we have, it's in there. <laughs> no, but seriously, memories. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You could say talents. Yeah. Are also there. Yeah. Intelligence, you could say, is there. Chaos is there. <laughs> <laughs> Much chaos. Yeah. Addiction is there. Like everything we are is there. Personality. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we could say that we are our nervous system. We are an expression of our nervous system. Yeah. I, I think that's fair to say. I think then uh, uh, perhaps an expression of our nervous system through other tissues or in conjunction with other tissues. But yes, I think that's a... Which is interesting because now I think about it like, you know how sometimes we can think like, oh, I was born like this or, or this is a trait of mine or whatever. But actually we can influence the nervous system. The nervous system influences us, of course, but we can also, if we're strategic about it and disciplined about it, we can also influence the nervous system, of course, right? Of course. I mean, if you think just at a really basic level of how we learn to do motor movements, mm -hmm. they're very much based on uh, feedback that we send back into the brain. Mm -hmm. So your ability, you just took a sip of your tea, And to do that process smoothly, it's not just that you execute an action, but you also have feedback from the action coming from the outside back in to tell you, did that go well? Mm -hmm. Did I execute that motion smoothly and efficiently? And that's how also we do, in a really simple way, like how we learn uh, motor skills. It's not just by what's inside of our head only, and going outwards, but it's our sense perception yeah. that comes in to influence yeah, the rest of it. And that can be unconscious or conscious. Yeah, I was just about to bring this up because also that brings us to the next thing that's about how some things can be just a reflex. Like me, I don't have to think about how to reach yeah. out for this cup. Mm -hmm. uh, but also not every movement is that simple. Sometimes we have to pay a lot of attention to what we're doing in order to do it right. And sometimes it feels like we never get it right. Yeah. Yeah. The, but that's part of becoming autom automatized. How do you say that? Automatized? Yeah, like making something... Making something... Not like a deliberate uh, action, but more like a... A patterned action. Oh, and... I don't want to say automatic, like reflex, no. It's not a reflex, but it's more Because of a, a reflex is like... Yeah, yeah. Those, are, those are things that don't go to your brain at all. They bypass any higher centers. It's just yeah. a, a loop. Like they have her on the knee. The hammer I mean. on the knee is a loop. You, uh, yeah. Um, but the, these kind of complex motor skills, of course, let's say you're learning to do handstand, then you have all sorts of sensory information well first of all you have your will and your desire to do something right and being able to do that uh, or trying right of course you have to try 
That's the first thing. And then uh, attempting the movement and then bring, getting feedback about did the movement work or not. And of course, in that process, you can also uh, get all sorts of cues or watch all sorts of YouTube tutorials about how to do something better. Uh, and then maybe you integrate those in trying how to do something until you do it over and over and over and over and over again until it finally works. And then when it finally works, right, it doesn't necessarily mean it's an automatic thing, right? So then you have to, even after you are capable of doing That's the movements, true. you have to continue with the movement. Yeah, it's kind of like you need again. to reinforce those connections, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then even then, you know, I think it's, it's so many different levels of, yeah, to do something that so automatically that you don't have to pay attention, let's say, mm. when you do something like tying your shoes. You know, we can really easily multitask when we tie our shoes because tying our shoes is so ingrained in us and it's... <laughs> I'm laughing because it took me ages to learn. Oh, yeah. I used to have this... Did you have these in in America? They were they were called they were like these things that you could put um, in between where you were tying your shoes so that they wouldn't become undone. I used to wear those. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Oh my God, I can't believe I just share that. <laughs> Basically, I learned last year how to tie my shoes. <laughs> no, but yes, I get what you mean. No, uh, I know. I remember. People tie their shoes in certain ways. I remember my ex-husband, he has a very particular way of tying his shoes. Corey, if you're listening, you're he, I don't know, he, he can only tie his shoes in the, like, how you first learn, very first learn the bunny ears, you know? Oh, the two, bunny, the two bunny Corey, ears. are you okay? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he still ties his shoes like oh, that. the bunny then, loop and then the bunny loop. But then you need a second loop because otherwise they become quite easily undone. I think he double loops. So <laughs> I will have to ask. But this is hilarious. Yeah, and and for Corey, I don't think that is such an automatic uh, process. I don't think he can multitask and do that at the same time. Probably just because I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was just something challenging. I mean. It's like, I think everybody, there are movements that we can automatize mm. and that don't require our attention. Uh, I, there are people who are just m m motorically... Like uh, more intelligent, would yeah. you say? Yeah, that are more, let's say, m motor gifted. <laughs> yeah. And there are people who are less motor gifted. That probably has a lot to do with certain connections between specific areas of the brain. Um, and yeah, just like handstand, we were talking about handstand, right? In order to do handstand, you probably have to practice it a lot. And there are so many things, it's not just the physical movement that you take into account, but a lot of people have a fear of going upside down. So then that also plays the part I don't know these people. <laughs> I love um, one of them. I don't, I don't know. Uh, there are also people who have uh, control issues uh, that will probably have trouble getting into handstand. And then there are other people who just, whatever, it's fine. This layer isn't there. So mm. there's this extra cognitive block. Yeah. 
that's blocking then also the motor path from being fully developed or being fully executed. So there are so many facets into just the process of motor learning. And I think for tying your shoes, there's usually less fear involved or some other kind of cognitive less thing pressure. involved. Yeah. Exactly. So it's something that just becomes automated. Just like when you learn to walk, learning to walk becomes a pattern that gets stored in a different part of the brain. Eventually, you don't need to think about walking. Your body just coordinates the movement. Of course, you can change how you move, but yeah, you don't have to... We know how to walk until we have a brain injury or until we have a spinal cord injury or, yeah, then, then we have to relearn these things. And then, yeah, if you're older, it's more difficult, but I think there are so many facets to how you learn, whether you're gifted in a physical sense, uh, whether you, uh, how much attention you can pay. I was just about to say, I think this is also a big issue, right? How much attention, yeah, like good quality alertness on what you're doing. Yeah. And then also your mindset. These are all factors that play into learning. And it learning in any plane, whether it's a physical movement or something else. They're all involved. And yes, so then we can have uh, you know, certain automatic things and then certain things that we have to pay really close attention to and even there will be things that we have to pay close attention to for the rest of our lives and maybe we never actually will be able to perform the motor trick that we want um, just because of the way our body is put together and I don't necessarily that I think then that is that's not necessarily a part of the nervous system, but that can be other factors. Some physical um, limitations or yeah. yeah, but I mean, okay, if we think like okay, I'm gonna talk like with kindergarten lingo because of course. <laughs> I'm not uh, educated in this. But if you think about like the brain has to do all these connections between neurons Mm -hmm. so that you can do these motor actions or these new things that you're learning. Yeah. Right? So you want these neurons to kind of talk to each other. And every time you do that thing, you want them to be more efficient in the way they talk to each other. Right? I don't know how many of you kindergartners know what a neuron is. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I actually know these because that's what you study. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> a neuron is a nerve cell, right? That's like the they're the electrical wiring in your body. Yeah. Okay, so these little stars in your hand that they're talking to each no, other. The stars are a different cell, Mercedes. <laughs> but those, are, those are more like astrocytes, are right? Astro, yeah. Which actually, that's what you study. Yeah, I what well, I studied. Yeah. Yeah. Which are glia cells. Which are glial cells, yes. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> which they support the neuron, right? I still yes. don't really understand what they do. But anyway, okay, but now I'm going out. So we're talking about these nerve cells, right? Mm-hmm. That they're yeah. talking to each other. Yeah. Actually, this is the only thing I remember from my anatomy lesson when I went to body school is what a synapsis was. This wow. is also why, yes. Mm-hmm. So they talk to each other through the synapses and clicky clicky. And every time you do this new 
performances or things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to kind of reinforce this, converta- this conversation between them. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say is that the more you do something, mm-hmm. the more that you can actually change the way these uh, neurons are talking to each other. Yeah. So actually, you can learn new things. Of course, you can learn new things. And, and usually it's more of a process of elimination, getting rid of things. Yeah. Connections that you don't need, that are superfluous, that are extra. Stuff that doesn't serve, let's say. Yeah. Okay. That's why sometimes uh, it's difficult to remember a lot of stuff, especially get older, because your brain starts to get full. Um, So small things or certain things are difficult to commit to memory, or you just don't remember details of things because it's not important information. Your brain just filters that away. It would be kind of the same thing that happens at the physiological level of what is happening in, let's say, two neurons, two nerve cells that are talking to each other. Like How efficiently does the electrical signal from one wire cross into the next wire? Mm. But then if you think about this, then also it's very interesting that it's not... Because, of course, these uh, neurons are talking to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but not just when we do things, also like with behaviors and stuff like that. So you can actually yeah. teach yourself to behave differently as well. Of course, yeah. That's the whole basis of cognitive behavioral cognitive therapy. Yeah, but it's... it's <laughs> like apparently <laughs> kind of like one of the, you know psychological modalities that actually works this whole talk therapy doesn't really work so much it's funny because um i my mom has done uh, therapy for many years you know taking therapy and she's like i'm done with this man i'm <laughs> done <laughs> i was like why don't you why don't you give this cognitive therapy a go and she's loving it she's like finally i have like actual tools yeah, yeah that if If I feel B, I need to do C. And if I feel like doing A, I'll do B. And then I literally retrain myself to eventually be either react in a different way or be less reactive or approach the situation in a new way. Like you're actually kind of like uh, updating your software. Yeah. Well, it's like we talk about in in yoga, right? We talk about how we need to become aware of the patterns, the samskaras that keep us in certain loops. And those samskaras can be um, generally our thought patterns that we need to recognize these things in order to... uh, um, Well, I always like the analogy that um, I think David Bryant... David Bryant? No, Edwin Bryant. Edwin Bryant uses in his book and I've seen this analogy in other places perhaps it doesn't come from Edwin Bryant but uh, probably from like uh, I don't know, Swami somebody um, this idea that we have to go into the field of our mind and look for all of these seeds the bad let's say the bad seeds and we have to dig them up out of the ground and burn them I like this image of digging seeds out of the ground and burning them. Oh, yeah. Um, right, the, the, it's the same thing in cognitive therapy. 
maybe you're not necessarily looking for the seeds, but you recognize the pattern when it comes up, you see the pattern, and then you have a tool that can help you redirect or um, come out of the come out of the vicious of this circle. loop the, let's yeah, call so it the vicious break, loop you get to break the cycle yeah so we try to do the same thing in, in yoga yeah that we we see the cycle and then by seeing the cycle we can also consciously decide right we can also see the cycle and um, do anything um, um, about it yeah exactly but we can also see the cycle and make a conscious effort to break it or stop the loop and then it becomes less powerful. So that would be the like the philosophical uh, counterpart of the the rewiring your brain. Let's say, getting yourself out of a a loop of uh, uh, an electrical circuit. Let's say you need to find the yeah. break, put the breaker on in on the, the electric. Yeah, which is fascinating. It's like flipping the switch because it's it's like. If you think about like Patanjali and all these dudes thousands of years ago, they they could actually tune into these subtle workings. Yeah. And now it's like the scientific field is also exploring all of these and and finding literally explanation in all this. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating. I think uh, science is always looking to explain phenomena, and the yogis were not interested in the explanation. They were interested in the experience, which I appreciate much more now than the scientific approach because I don't feel the need to explain everything. But it is fascinating. I will give you that. It is absolutely... And, I mean, this goes for everything. The body is fascinating on so many levels, whether it's the nervous system or whether it's connective tissue... There's so many cool, amazing, miraculous things that happen in us. It's it's, absolutely fascinating. But what I mean, like, it's fascinating is, like, you know, you could think, like, oh, science. I don't know. It's all inside a lab. It's all, like, you know, in these specific environments. They need to know everything. Ooh, yogis, fluffy, fluffy. They are inside a cave. They are focusing in these subtle energies. (laughs) But actually, they are both talking about the same. Yeah, so just it, in different ways. Yeah, but it's it's I love it because in a way it's like it doesn't matter if you say it or you say it, it's obviously it's there because yeah. we all experience it in or we don't experience it. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's there. So yeah, if it's if you wanna be philosophical, spiritual or super scientific, fine. Whatever rocks your boat, but the reality is there. Yeah. We we do have this power within us. Yeah. And we can access it at any time. Because, of course, it's like, okay, when you're young, you're like this big sponge and you can absorb all these uh, new experiences and also a lot of crap, of course, yeah. Uh, Right? Like, uh, and they used to think that when you were older, actually, you kind of lost a little bit that ability. But it's not true. We, We can still... We can still learn new things and change behaviors. And I think the thing is, it's that I don't know that I don't know that they necessarily ever said it wasn't possible. But I think that what they leave out then is 
it is possible, but we have to work really hard at it. And so That's people true. don't want to hear that. So they, they already give up before the task has started of, okay, well, uh, technically you're supposed to learn a language before the age of, I think, 15. I, I have heard these before. Like you need to learn languages before this certain age. And well, then, yeah. And actually learning language, I believe there was a, some kind of study and I'm, I am just pulling this out of my head, so I could be very wrong. There was a study, that was a number of years ago, I mean at least 10 years ago, about uh, learning language before the age of eight allows you to speak it as a native speaker. Okay. So Because of intonation and hearing sound. Mm. But um, I, d I don't think that's actually That would make sense, true. though. I mean, sure, it makes sense, but... But then if you uh, move I don't to a country that... where nobody speaks, probably you would also... And I think out. there are plenty of adults who learn a language and can uh, learn, <laughs> learn intonation, but they have to work much harder at it. Yeah. And I would say that these, these people who can do that probably also have really good uh, hearing and yeah. auditive abilities. They're really... Maybe they have more closer to something like perfect pitch. Like they can hear certain pitches and intonation and sound and then produce it in themselves. So they probably also have good motor control over uh, their mouth muscles and, I don't know, certain qualities in their nasal passages. I, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure, but, but I don't think... It's not impossible, you know? It's just that an adult or above a certain age, you have to work a lot harder at it. And then maybe your mind is working on other things and it calls more attention it demands more attention of you which is already something that people don't have much of <laughs> yeah some another thing that is fascinating i was listening to a podcast from this super cool professor at stanford called andrew huberman and he was talking about um again learning new things and your plasticity and all this stuff And he was saying how important it is to make mistakes, to make errors in the yeah. learning process, right? Because when you come across something that you're not able to do, whether if it's a motor skill or, or language or whatever, and every time you try again, you try again, that's the moment when the, the brain and the nervous system is trying to figure out, okay, what needs changing here? Because yeah. obviously it's not working. Yeah. So it's funny because, hello... How many times we give up when something is not going so easy or, or we're learning something? How many times do we berate ourselves when we don't do something perfectly? Or we already say before we try it, I cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> And that's also in this whole idea of priming your nervous system to be able to learn, to open the nervous system to learning, is you also have to yeah. have a, a willingness and an And also the, not only the willingness to fail, but also, right, not to beat yourself up because that doesn't help the learning process, actually. I was going to say, it's almost like you have to find this balance of willingness and discipline, but also this flexibility and kind of being okay with not doing great. And also being able to see when you get close to doing something and when you make progress. I think it's so important to see your progress because if you don't recognize the, the steps that you are accomplishing, yeah. I think then the learning process stagnates as well. 
Yeah, true. Kind of like to celebrate the mini wins, right? Yeah. 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 I think I think uh, Andrew Huberman also talks about that. The idea of we also need to turn on our reward system. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's so um, not only do you need uh, right the what you were talking about but you all though you need to be failing at something because your body then is learning that's a mm-hmm. learning process but you also need to have your reward system turn on to signal to yourself i'm getting closer yeah that's true that's such a good point that's true yeah he's um he's very big about that it's well it's kind of like you need you need both right is yeah. you need the willingness to be open but also this kind of hey you did good be grateful for what you achieved yeah he yeah guys you really need to check out this uh, podcast it's fantastic we're going to put it on the show notes he also talks a lot about uh, the importance of resting yes as well in order talk about astrocytes (laughs) come on tell me astrocytes are very important for this uh, for cleanup in your sleep uh, cycle are they the ones that take the garbage out? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The astrocytes specifically. Astrocytes are uh, really involved in kind of this, you could see it as like a flushing of the brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important for cleaning up. And there are other glia cells, microglia, that are really important for cleaning up the, like they're the, the gardeners, let's mm. say. They're the ones that prune the trees. Yeah. If the neurons, the nerve cells are trees. Yeah. And the places where there are synapses. Yeah. Right? Those are the branches. Yes. So the microglia are like the, the pruners, the gardeners that come in and clean up all the excess okay. leaves and uh, uh, branches that are not necessary yeah Yeah. and the astrocytes help with pushing and flushing uh the brain very important uh in the sleep cycle yeah he makes a big uh, a big point about this because it's not like you can just i don't know let's say that you're learning handstand you're like okay i'm gonna do this for eight hours i'm not gonna stop it's like we also have these kind of internal rhythms these internal clocks we can't just keep going at it we also have to respect these rhythms and I don't know, one hour, 90 minutes, and then chill. Yeah. Which is perfect, because in a yoga class, what do we end our practice with? Shavasana. How long should a practice be? Three hours? No. No. (laughs) Because can you maintain the attention for all that time? No. Well, unless you're a super yogi. Well, of course. We're not talking about Vibhutipada here. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, unless you're super yogi, let's say yes. But I mean, it makes sense, right? I, it always breaks my heart when people are skipping shavasana. Yeah, I or um, too short in shavasana. I also don't think a half an hour shavasana is healthy. But <laughs> I'm a fan of a 10, 15 minute shavasana. 15 if you're being like, mm, but yeah, I'm 15 if I want to fall asleep. But it, I, I like the 10 minute. Yeah, I like the seven. The seven to ten minutes. Okay. The, uh, if you can drop from the beginning and yeah. seven good minutes, great. But I normally need about ten. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not advocate of that. But yeah, two minute shavasana, no. No. That's no shavasana. Unless you do two minute practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
But um, yeah, it's very interesting that that plays such an important part as much as the work itself. I want to apologize to all the students who I never get a seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> be better about that what do you normally do five Five? okay five minutes is good no but i've been to classes where it's like seriously like 30 seconds shavasana and i've also been to classes where people are like bye yeah yeah that just breaks my heart i'm like no sit close your eyes i mean i understand that people find it really hard because their system is quite agitated so you know just resting in silence can be quite intense but yeah it's important. Very important. Of course, we can apply this for anything, but how lucky are we that we can actually put this into practice every day on our mats? Yeah. But then it re- does require you getting onto your mat. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It doesn't happen on its own. It's it's like anything. It's It's like, yeah, it requires time and effort and also letting go a little bit i mean what's that what's that pesky um sutra right those two disciplines that we need abhyasa and vairagya oh yeah of course yeah so vairagya and abhyasa are really important we need discipline and we need non-attachment yeah, that's true. He was right on the money with that one. I mean, it's yeah. everything that we're talking about. And it's also kind of like you decide what you reinforce. You decide you decide your behavior or you don't. Right? You get to make the conscious as we are these beautiful beings that not only do we have this conscious control of our body but we also have conscious control of our mind and we get to choose what we act on and what we react or how we react so that is also part of our nervous system and makes us um, I don't want to say more than another animal but let's say more than an animal that's just ruled by instinct we have more freedom we have yeah or maybe you, some people would say it's less freedom but no but yeah. we have the freedom to choose we have the freedom to choose or not to choose or or yeah you can also yeah or not to choose but you then your choice is not choosing yeah exactly that's it's not that you're stuck in this situation and yeah. you know i remember always uh when you hear this phrase that says you always have a choice it's yeah. actually so true. You do always have a choice. Yeah. And I think it's it's also very important us as humans and as grown-ups, <laughs> uh, some of you, um, to really take uh, charge of our lives and also our health, our mental health. Yeah. It's not like there's no escape. I mean, yes, it's, it's very hard, but... We do have the ability to change. Yeah. It's there. It's a gift. Yeah. Everybody can access it. Whether you're rich or poor or you're in you know, in some terrible situation, you can still access this. Yeah. Yeah, we have so many tools available to empower ourselves. 
But like you said, it also requires effort. I mean, people are always saying, like, what can I take? Yeah. <laughs> How long will it take? How long will it take? <laughs> what, can, what can I inject into myself to make... Mm, yeah, make which, which supplement can I take? <laughs> it's like, mm, no. Yeah. I mean, Granted, I'm sure, there are... I was going to say, I'm sure, of course. People who do need help, uh, chemical help with things, but... Yeah, but think, as a supplement, not as yeah. the how do you say as the, the 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 solution for everything exactly yeah exactly no yeah it is very uh, we are the master of our our destiny i think in a lot of ways well okay perhaps i should add in privilege we are the master of destiny this, of course you know speaking from a privileged position, but um, there are so many things that we we are in control of or that we decide to ignore and then, then you leave it up to the patterns within your head or whatever, right? You get to choose what you reinforce. Do you sit on the couch and eat potato chips or... And I'm like, yes. <laughs> cry about yourself or do you... <laughs> like me sit on the couch and eat potato chips and then get onto your mat <laughs> precisely I mean it's important to do both exactly <laughs> it's very important to do both uh, I'm sure that potato chips are also very important for neuroplasticity yes they have to be there's so many nutrients in potato, fried potato chips no but it's also quite interesting yeah, how we always have a choice. We have tools and different tools will work for different people yeah. uh, because maybe doing some kind of physical activity will help you to kind of shift your behavior patterns and all these things or maybe more of a sitting down practice or running or whatever it is. Yeah. Because again, this brain-body connection is like you can access it from both ends really, yeah. right? Yeah, from both ends. <laughs> that doesn't that didn't sound very good, but I mean like. Well, also your guts can access your brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they talk to each other. Like um yeah, if you can't just change your behavior like that, so then I don't know, go out for a run, see if you can shift things. Yeah. What I'm trying to say, sitting on the couch, nothing is gonna happen <laughs> at the end of the day. Well, maybe if you're sitting on the couch and studying great texts that you're learning yeah. and getting insight from okay so maybe maybe let's uh, round it up with some some pointers some, some pointers. helpful tips yeah some, some helpful tips okay maybe uh, the first tool would be to know how important rest is you must get good rest. And good quality rest. Good quality rest. It's not like sleeping a hundred hours, but like good quality rest. Yeah. And if you want to change or a behavior or learn something new, uh, then you have to commit to that. You have to work at it. You have to put effort in. And if you're older, then you have to put more effort in. <laughs> So specifically, we need to be first. We need we need to want it, we need right? To want it, yeah. Because if you don't want it, then it ain't gonna happen. No, exactly. So that kind of like 
that urge inside of you. I, I want to learn this thing or I want to change this behavior. Yeah. So let's call it will. Yeah. Then, when you're in that situation, you need to turn on your mental spotlight. You need to be like alert. Yes. Like hopefully you're not drunk or <laughs> <laughs> or or thinking about something else. Yeah. Like you're alert. You're yeah. focused. You're focused. Yeah. And then what else do we need in that cocktail? Uh yeah, try trial and error. Trial and error, of course. Yes, very important. And a lot of trial and error. I was going to say that's a good point. So, not like, mm, I did it once. Mm. No, like and not even like, oh, I did it 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean a lot. Like a lot. A lot of times. Don't I think don't even have an expectation of how many times. Yeah. Or a number. Yeah, it's not like I do it 50 times and it's over. Like, But I, I think it's when you're in that situation, just remind yourself you're on the right path because you are yeah. doing this trial and error. Yeah. Okay, then you also need to have... You also need to have openness mm. and willingness to... Um, well, to fail, of course, but also to, to see if there's something that's holding you back, I think. Mm. So to see if there's the mental stuff or the reactivity that's there. Because that's going to uh, put a break on the learning or the changing of a behavior. Yeah. So it's kind of like you need positive vibes. Well, positive. You can't have the ne no negative vibes. It's be like you need to find your equanimity. Mm. To be equanimous in your efforts. Yeah. Or equanimous in your mind while you are failing. <laughs> yeah. And also recognize when you are making progress. Yeah, sometimes that's a, that's a tough one, right? Yeah. That's a big sticking point. Okay, and sometimes, yeah, well, we kind of touched up on this, but also feel a little bit uh, challenged, stressed out about it. Yeah. Right? Like, you also need a little bit of stress. Yeah. At least, I don't know, it's, it's like, um, because I see sometimes in, in, in yoga practice, people are like, with this expectation that everything has to be smooth, like in a cloud, and soft, and easeful, and flowy... But if you don't have a little bit of that agitation, then yeah. what's going to shift? Exactly. And of course, we all want to get to the ease, <laughs> but we usually have to do some struggling before we get to that point. Yeah. So I that's... No, I, I don't just pop up into handstand without putting some effort in. I just don't pop into down dog. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I don't the, just stand on my mat. I the, just don't float onto my mat for at the moment. Hours. At the moment, everything is extremely hard. <laughs> but but anyway, let's wrap these uh, pointers. Okay. The, the, du the dukkha in Corona times. Are, the dukkha in Corona times is tough. So are we missing any pointers? So we have rest. We have willingness, we have trial and error, we have 
positive stress, let's call it, um, reward system. You just touched Activate upon that. Activate your reward system. And then I think this is definitely not a scientific thing. Also have a little bit of humor. Oh, definitely. But that's also part <laughs> of turning but on your reward system. That's true. Yeah. Just, you know, laugh at yourself. Yeah. I mean... Definitely. <laughs> cool. Anything else you'd like to add, Dr. Banks? Um, no. Not that I can think of. I mean, there's many things that I can think oh, of. Oh, so many. But, I mean, we could be here in. for hours. Well, but for you guys out there that are interesting about all this cool stuff... Um, Lana is going to be teaching some awesome master classes in the next few months about this. So please keep an eye out. We're going to announce it very soon, hopefully. And yeah, there's always your mats available for exploration. And we're always available to help you out in yeah. that exploration. So Exactly. Um, Step onto your mat. Yeah, and... you're not alone, guys. The struggle is real. It's like... Yep. Oh yes. my god. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. It's been nice. It's been wonderful. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we hope to see you very soon. As always, if you have any questions or any suggestions, please do reach out to info at theonionpillars.nl. Yes. And uh, feel free to um, give us a rating on podcast supplier of choice um, so that others might be able to find us more easily cool awesome stuff all right everyone be healthy be safe be well be at ease <laughs> see you soon <laughs> <laughs>